It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the General Manager of God Country, Texas, KAAM, and I'm sitting with our attorney, who should be your attorney, Dallas Elder Law Attorney, Michael S. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. I, I, I have to ask you, every week you come up with a different middle initial, uh, my real middle initial is Michael B. Cohen. Is it beautiful? Uh, what does the S stand for? Well, Tell me the what the S stands for that you well, come up S- with. Well, I'm being very chronological and very being very calendar-like, and it could be the spring or the summer right now. I don't know if Memorial Day means uh, that once you get past that, it's the summer or it's June 26th or whatever the date is, 22nd, um, based on the calendar. But spring or summer. I'll say the summer is here. It's darn hot out there, and uh, it feels feels toasty and good. What do you think? Well, some like it hot, and so uh, <laughs> I'm used to it. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I you know I guess it depends on what your definition of summer is, but it feels like summer. True. Uh, anything in the 90s is summer, especially with uh, humidity and the like. And but uh, I guess it could be worse. They can hear us in Houston. Quite often, we have a lot of listeners in Houston, Texas, and it's really humid and hot down there, so I'm glad we're not there. Um, I was going to say Michael P. Cohen today, but I didn't. Uh, I went with spring and summer, but P. could also stand for uh, power of attorney. And this is what you want to talk about today, because sometimes power of attorneys are not what they seem to be. Can you elaborate on that for us today? Yeah, because probably 90 percent of the powers of attorney. First of all, let's kind of explain to the audience who do not know what a power of attorney yes. is. Uh, there's different types of powers of attorney. Um, usually when I when you think of the term power of attorney, it's a document that gives somebody the authority to act on your behalf. And I'm thinking about financial powers of attorney. There's also medical powers of attorney. And most people have general durable powers of attorney. General means it covers most things. Durable means it's good even during disability. The whole idea of a power of attorney is that you want somebody to act on your behalf if you're disabled to handle your business matters or to sign contracts or to pay your bills. And so the power of attorney is a very, very important document that probably everybody should have if they have any kind of, even if they didn't have an asset, let's say you had to go into uh, let's say you had to sign a contract, whether it was a lease or going into a nursing home or something. You need somebody to have the authority to act on your behalf. Uh, a power of attorney would be that document where somebody could act, uh, even if you could not sign for some reason. So I think it's a very. I, I know when uh, my older daughter, who uh, you know has been in 
college when she turned 18, uh, it was one of the basic documents that I had her sign along with everything. So even an 18-year-old should have uh, estate planning documents. And so I have a 17-year-old right now. When she turns 18, I'm going to have her do the same things, uh, power of attorney, medical power of attorney, living will, HIPAA, you know, besides the other things that people think of, like wills or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, a power of attorney is an extremely important document because if you don't have a power of attorney, then somebody has to go to court. If you have to deal with, uh, let's say you had a uh, an IRA and you didn't have a power of attorney, how would somebody be able to get to those funds? If you didn't have a power of attorney, you might have to go to court to seek guardianship. Well, guess what? That's very expensive. You're going to have to have an attorney for the person who's disabled, mentally disabled, uh, an attorney for the one who seeks guardianship. And if somebody doesn't like whoever the one that's seeking guardianship, there might be a third attorney involved. Mm-hmm. Every time you have to, uh, let's say, sell a property, if you have guardianship, you'd have to get approval of the court or you have to have an annual accounting. So the attorney's fees could be very great, whereas yeah. a power of attorney is a cheap disability planning document. There, um, so it's important to have a power of attorney at, for everybody, assuming that they're over the age of majority. You can only sign any kind of document, though, if you have enough mental capacity to do so. It doesn't mean that just because somebody has the early stages of dementia that they cannot sign a power of attorney because uh, you, you just have to know what you're doing when you sign whatever the document may be. The levels of capacity could be different for a power of attorney than they will. There's different levels depending if there's uh, the ability to make gifts or not, which is one of the things that you could put in a power of attorney that most people don't have. So there's a so there is a statutory durable power of attorney, which means that the state legislature has approved a power of attorney. You say, mean you mean to tell me that I could just get a form? Yeah, you could. Is it recommended? Well, it's better than nothing, but there's a lot of extra stuff that you could, you should consider having. So the standard power of attorney that many attorneys use uh, covers all sorts of different things. There's a laundry list of 20-some-odd categories uh, of things that you could do. So, for example, the ability to deal with an existing trust, the ability to sell real estate, so they're at least or lease, and there's a paragraph about each of the topics uh, that are in a standard statutory uh, power of attorney. Uh, just to let you know briefly, it'd be real property transactions, personal property, stock and bonds, commodities, banking. The list goes on. Uh, but it does not, notwithstanding that list, notwithstanding that list. So, for example, um, it says state and trust transactions state and trust transactions. They so, say, well, I can deal with anything. Uh, I can create a trust, but that's not correct. Under the law, it just deals, with, when you look at the actual statute, it says only deal with existing trust. So it doesn't give the authority to create a trust. So there are, so, so even though this covers the statutory durable power of attorney, may cover 90% of the transactions. There's a lot of things that it doesn't cover. And the law says that if you want to do those extra things, you got to put them in your actual document. So I thought it was important because most people think, oh, well, my power of attorney covers everything. 
if I have a statutory power of attorney. I don't know how many times I've been told that. They think I have total power, and it'll always be recognized. And by the way, powers of attorney only aren't always recognized. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, some institutions, I won't say any particular names at this point, have their own forms. So they say, we only like to use our form power of attorney. I certainly wouldn't say the names of some of these common brokerage houses, but there, um, uh, there are a couple that um, like to have their own power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Notwithstanding uh, Texas law, by the way, that says you're supposed to recognize a financial power of attorney unless it meets 11 categories, like if somebody was a what they call a vexatious litigator, somebody sues people all the time, or somebody was a criminal, then we don't want them to be able to uh, you know, be act as an agent. So the banks, for example, don't want, if they see something's rotten in Denmark, they don't want to, they'll have to recognize a power of attorney if they think that there's something suspicious. So um, anyway, getting back to uh, what we were just saying, uh, we just talked about the, the standard statutory power of attorney. It says dealing with existing trust, but it doesn't give the authority to create a trust. And who's to say that you may not want to create a trust for any number of reasons in the future? Let's say that you become you had a stroke and you wanted to get public benefits and you were underage uh, that you could create a certain type of trust so that you could get public benefits. Or perhaps um, um, if you were on public benefits, you didn't want to lose public benefits and you had lost mental capacity and uh, you inherited some money. Okay, there's a certain type of trust special needs trust, supplemental needs trust that could be created, a pool trust. There are different things that could be done to uh, if, if you have the authority. But you have to have the authority. And how do you have the authority? It's got to be named in the document. So mm-hmm. the standard statutory power of attorney does not give that authority, and most people don't realize that. Yeah. And there's lots of different types of trust that could be done. Uh, it could be that your income is too great and you need to apply for public benefits. There's a certain type of trust that could be done. It could be, and so you really don't want to, you don't really want to have to go to court to seek guardianship because you really don't want to have court delays and legal fees and costs. It's a sta- it's a cheap disability insurance document, but even the cheap disability insurance document should probably, depending on your situation, could have different things. That is just one example, creation of a trust or funding of a trust or taking things out of a trust. Um, You can specifically name those things. That's one option. Another thing is the power to make gifts. Remember, with a power of attorney, the agent, so the person who signs a power of attorney is called the principal. The person who's acting on your behalf is your agent. By the way, does that just because you sign a power of attorney, does that mean that the person who signed the document, the principal, no longer has authority? No. They can continue. They they continue to act as that is at least until they're disabled. Um, if not, uh, uh, so you just because you sign a power of attorney doesn't mean that you can't still take care of your own affairs. It just gives somebody else the ability to act on your behalf as well. And if somebody starts acting badly, you could revoke the power of attorney, as long as you have mental capacity. Right. The power of attorney, by the way, 
could be effective either immediately or or spring upon this uh, spring upon disability. Uh, we usually recommend that it be effective immediately uh, because a lot of times it's hard to determine when there's disability. And in these COVID nineteen days, yeah, in these COVID nineteen days, what happens if you can't get to the doctor? Right. Because of, uh, people aren't seeing people. So it, as long as you trust your agent, I was on the phone with a client this week. They said, I want to delete these different powers. They named their spouse as the agent. Uh, And I said to the client, I said, are you telling me that you do not trust your spouse? Why are you trying to delete these different things? If you don't trust this person, you probably shouldn't name them as an agent to begin with. Right. So anyway, anyway, so creating a trust or later on, you could give that power if it's not in the financial power of attorney, and most stat- uh, statu- statutory powers do not, powers of attorney do not grant that authority. Another one is the right to make gifts. The right to make gifts. And you say, well, I don't want anybody to make gifts. You don't have to. We, you can have three options. You can say no gift giving of power, or the ability to give the annual exclusion, which is fifteen thousand dollars a year, or you can give broad gift giving. And you could even say something like, well. I don't want to give you any authority to make gifts, but, or I limit it, however, if it's to qualify for public benefits, you know, like Medicaid or veterans benefits, where they look at your assets to determine uh, if you're eligible, and so you may have to reduce your assets. Maybe let's say that you um, that you always give Christmas gifts to the children or grandchildren, and you lose mental capacity. Do you want the authority of the agent to be able to continue to make those gifts? Well... If you don't say something in your document, there is no authority if it's your individual account. So, in other words, uh, if it's somebody's a joint account, then they could do it. But the problem with that is then you have a lot of different issues on the joint account holder. They could have marital problems. They could name somebody else as an agent. They could be sued, and all your money is affected. So there's lots of bad things about having that, uh, a joint account owner, uh, that could be a problem, uh, whereas so a lot of people put something like a child on their account, but there are some issues that have to be uh, thought about before just, you know, they think of it as just, um, oh, they can just take care of my bills. Well, they could do that with a power of attorney to it without risking, let's say, liability. Uh, a child gets into some sort of problem and is getting sued and they're on your account and your assets are subject to their creditors. If you had a power of attorney, you're just acting on behalf of the person. And so it's not like it's your asset. So anyway, so there's good and bad. Um, so so if you wanted to, for example, make those Christmas gifts or making other gifts, um, and you don't have the authority in the power of attorney, well, there is no authority. So you could put, I do give the ability to make gifts, and you can limit it. The annual exclusion is, well, it's an annual exclusion for gift tax purposes, uh, you can make gifts of up to $15,000 a year per person without reporting to the IRS. So if you wanted to have that as a limitation, say, I'll let you make gifts, but it's limited to the annual exclusion, then all you have to do is put that limit in the power of attorney and say, okay, I'll let you give limited gifts this amount. Okay. So you could do that, but the standard power of attorney has no authority to make gifts. And you, we usually have the person initial that whatever it is that they want to do, whether it's no gift giving or annual exclusion gift giving 
or broad gift giving when there's no limits at all. I want to buy a child, a grandchild, a wedding. Okay, and it's more than fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, well you could do that. Or I want to uh, say, well, even if I've limited it, I want to be able to give more than the, let's say, the annual exclusion or no gift giving to qualify for only for the purposes of qualifying for public benefits because that's means tested. They look at your assets. So uh, there's different things that you could have in that uh, document. Those are just a couple of things. Very helpful. Uh, very, pro- very promising. Um, it's a great start for people to begin to um, or resume that critical thing you and I talked about before the program today, and that is for them to not assume in other words, challenge the assumptions. If, if you think your power of attorney or estate plan is rock solid and invulnerable, you know, Michael has said over the years now that 95% of the time, if not more, he can and will typically find a number of things that need to be changed in someone's plan. And it's because life changes. And even though we all may say never, that could never happen, he would never, she would never they would never, it would never. You just In this day and age, whether it's because of a coronavirus or um, protests or you just, you, you say to yourself, everything is possible. So that um, because of that, things will be changing right before our eyes, be under control. And this is what Michael is trying to say, to challenge the assumptions and have your state plan reviewed just to be safe. The first step for doing that is to attend Michael's next workshop, and when we say attend, we mean virtually, which we mean online, which would mean essentially, in layman's terms or old-fashioned terms, a conference, video conference call with you and a, a number of other people and Michael, where he engaged in the State Planning Essentials Workshop, which he's been doing for years and years now, right out of the comfort of your own home. And that next one is Tuesday, June the 30th, so basically the last day of the month, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So, Michael, tell them all about your workshop. Yeah, first of all, we make it really easy for people to attend. We give a, we uh, have somebody in my office tell exactly what to do. It's very simple. All you have to do is click on a button, and that's it. Um, so it's very, very simple. We're getting, uh, uh, you know, at some point we'll be going, we used to always, of course, do these workshops uh, in person, but we're, we still want to be safe. We've noticed in recent weeks, the increase in hospitalizations, or at least the numbers haven't gone down. Right. So until we feel, we want to make sure that everybody feels safe. So uh, we probably will have, we reopen things when we see that things are a little bit safer, uh, but we want to make sure that everybody's safe. And and so the virtual workshop, uh, basically that uh, it's, it's just think, just think of it like this, just think of it like a, uh, almost like a, FaceTime, uh, if you know right. people know right. what that is. Basically, you'll see us. If you want to see us, we don't have to see you, though, uh, <laughs> right. with workshops. So if you don't want to have, uh, if you don't want to be seen and only be heard or not to be heard, you have that option. We go through all that stuff with you, and it makes it very, very, very simple. And you just, yeah. just a free estate planning essentials workshop. So whatever questions that you have, that's what we ask. We say, what do you want to know? So every workshop's different because I don't know what questions people are going to ask. And then for a couple hours, we go through the all whatever questions that people want to know and kind of explain different things. So whether it's knowing about a power of attorney and uh, 
uh, knowing that there could be different things, or what is a power of attorney, or what is a trust, or what is a will, or right. how can the, which one should I use, or is there questions about how do I get eligibility for Medicaid, or why would I put this gifting power in there? Why do you have long-term care insurance? Most people don't. If you don't have any adequate income or assets, then we have to look at that power of attorney as an example of what you just said and say, well, oh, gee, your income is only Social Security, but the cost of care is why, uh, whatever that is, which is much greater than your Social Security. And if your income is insufficient, should we be doing some, giving some flexibility to potentially get uh, public benefits? Right. The government has all these different plans, just, you know, with the coronavirus thing, they said you could do different things. We might even want to stimulate the economy. Well, there's different things that you could put in your document to um, to go by whatever the government permits. Right. We just talked about a couple of things just a second ago. Anyway, getting back to it, all you have to do to attend the next free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop is call 214 214- Two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero one zero two. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. And those who attend the free estate planning essentials workshop by calling that two one four seven two zero zero one zero two number also get a free what we call vision meeting where we go over your individual situation. So if we hadn't talked about something or there were still further questions that you may have, we give you the option, not the obligation, without, uh, to just have see what your individual situation. So then we might look at what documents you have, if you have any, uh, or see what your goals are and see if they're being met. Uh, and uh, so you basically get three, three hours of estate planning uh, information without any obligation, um, and all you have to do is call that 214-720-0102 telephone number to register. Or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. You know, he's been talking now for about 20 solid minutes, and it's been extremely beneficial to hear Michael talk about um, the powers of attorney. And it, it's very clear to me it has been from day one why online services that you can do this for a few hundred bucks uh, are just so uh, incapable of fulfilling all of your needs and wishes safely. And I started the program with Michael S. Cohen uh, representing spring and summer when the S should be safety. Michael's doing these workshops out of safety to be conservative and make certain um, all are are protected and do not contract the virus. Um, But you know, safety in terms of making sure you don't make the mistake of doing something online and cut corners because when you do, that could easily come back to haunt you or your caregivers or loved ones. Michael, uh, about four minutes left in the program. Let me ask you one question that you brought to mind while you were talking about powers of attorney. And I don't know if it's clear to everyone, but it should be. And I, as a business owner, I think it's clear to me. Why won't those institutions recognize a power of attorney? Well, you know, sometimes they, okay, there are good reasons, and actually there's a reason for the law. Um, you know, several years back, um, they would just say no, period. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they'd say no is when people did get those, let's say there's somebody did get something online, like you said, 
and they just said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Uh, Grandma just signed this power of attorney giving me all authority to deal with your accounts. And you, there's some shaky handwriting or there's a question as to the capacity of the person. And so if you went to the bank and they said, um, I see it's the shaky handwriting and we know that the person lacks capacity, do you think we should grant them the authority to deal with your account? Well, they have an obligation. They might have liability. So the bank would say, uh, no, we don't recognize it. So there is a lot of different uh, – If and still to this day, uh, you should have – the bank should be concerned about elder abuse in particular. Uh, right. And so as a result, um, that's why they might not recognize it. And uh, so we want to be able to uh, recognize uh, the powers of attorney, the, except for in situations like that. So um, uh, some, facility, some institutions have their own power of attorney, uh, but most would recognize a power of attorney. Uh, but again, there are different things that you could have it in, in that power of attorney. It could be, yeah. uh, for example, another, another one that you, thing that you could do is another option, another hot power, is the right to delegate. Let's say that grandma signs a power of attorney naming child uh, as her agent, um, here, I'll give you an actual case. A uh, person, uh, grandfather who's 90 years old, signs a power of attorney, names his two children. One is uh, the daughter is the agent, the uh, son is the alternate agent, uh, and that's it. And then he gets, um, all of a sudden he gets, um, loses his mental capacity. Two years later, they call me up and they say, oh, gee, what are we going to do? Um, father uh, no longer has mental capacity. Uh, but um, so we can't sign a new power of attorney. Uh, in the meantime, the son has died of cancer. Let's say now that the daughter had COVID-19 and she's concerned that she can die. What can you do? What can you do? Oh, Where are yeah. we in trouble? Uh, and I said, well, no problem. Why? Because what we do, we put one of those extra powers, one of those hot powers, the right to delegate. So the daughter who was going to uh, maybe had COVID-19 going into the uh, hospital uh, uh, had a right to delegate, so we delegated one of the grandchildren to act for her. So mm. now, even though dad lacked capacity and one son had died, the other one was ill and going for uh, into the hospital, we had given the ability to delegate. This is another illustration of something that could occur that 90% of powers attorney don't have. Wow. So it's a hot power. Yeah, it really is. So and that's amazing nice. to me, and but not surprising. And another example of Michael Cohen's brilliance and uh, being able to figure out a way to turn a situation right side up. And it's why you should, out of the comfort of your own home, attend his next workshop online, the virtual workshop, on June the 30th at 1 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to Dallas Elder lawyer.com dallas elderlawyer.com michael thank you again for the excellent education we'll look forward to talking to you next week thank you don and stay safe A 
leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770 KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 